I wanted a place for people to receive authentic guidance and practical ways to awaken. Thought-provoking, paradigm-shifting, and empowering. This is about expanding our human consciousness to create a wave of new possibilities. I'm Dr. Teresa Willard-Wyke, and this is Quantum Minds TV. Welcome back to Quantum Minds TV, where we take a deep dive into various perspectives on what it's going to take to create a shift in human consciousness. Now, in this episode, we are continuing the conversation with author, master of voice, and angelic emissary, Stuart Pierce. Now, um, if we can come back to the magician for a moment, because you said something earlier around how words are almost like spells, you know, and... Um, in the mystery traditions, uh, especially in the Western sort of Kabbalistic uh, mystery school tradition, they say that, number one, all magic is spoken. All magic is spoken. So if we, it, basically what it's saying is that our words weave a magic. They weave an energy that can actually impact our reality, and help shape our reality. So words really matter. Uh, if, if we really think about that, that as you speak, so shall it be. And, uh, and yet in today's world, coming back to that topic of devolution, we, uh, are living in a world where even our language is devolving and the use of words today, people kind of think it doesn't matter and, and they, they get really loose with their, you know, word usages and, or even the meaning of certain words has been polluted and diluted so that the way it's used today was not at all, like you mentioned, hierarchy, not at all what its original meaning was. Uh, so maybe you can share a little bit about this because you're, you know, you, you're really a wordsmith. And in addition to being a voice alchemist, um, how would you help maybe people to understand the power of words? And uh, especially as we work with the archetype of the magician. Well, I think you've said is absolutely beautiful, and I totally cohere with what you're saying. I feel in encapsulation that words anchor states. Mm. And of course, we're not talking about the word. We're so literate that when we say word, we automatically think of that hieroglyph. We think of that glyph, that printed word, W-O-R-D. Well, if you can't read, you can't do that. So we experience the sound of the word within, and it's the sound that creates the magic, the ordering mm. of the sound, if you like, the orchestration of the sound. Goethe, the great German poet, said that all architecture, meaning sacred architecture, was frozen music. Mm. But within the architecture, there was frozen music. And indeed, in the creation of Shakespeare's Globe, we used English oak. So I went with the woodscraftsman, the master woodscraftsman, into forests in the United Kingdom where he chose wood that was 400 years old. So in other words, the oak had Shakespeare's voice within it. Oh, wow. <laughs> the sound. And of course, they spoke English in a totally different way from the way that we speak today, which is almost incomprehensible to us. However, so sound words anchor states. And so we grab hold of an idea called the logos, which is a Greek word meaning the intelligibility of sound. And I learned this many years ago from an Aramaic scholar who had 
the who had readership of the Vatican Library for ten years. I met him. He was a very old gentleman who was working at the Sorbonne, but he had given readership of the Vatican Library because he was one of the key people that were on the site in Engedi in in Qumran when the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. And of course, we know the Dead Sea Scrolls were these artifacts, were these papyrus scrolls with Aramaic written upon them that were part of the Essene peoples that lived, the Essene um, sect or spiritual group that lived in the area. And he said one day, all of these scrolls, by the way, some of them are in the uh, in the Great Museum in Jerusalem, and I dare say in, in private collections around the world, and some are in the Vatican Library. This was a wonderful man, Professor Sefeli, and he said to me, he was Hungarian, and he had this little voice like this. And he said to me, you know, in the Vatican Library, I saw some amazing things, absolutely amazing things. I saw the Ark of the Covenant. Anyway, so he told me lots of interesting stories. And then one day, there I was, looking at the papyrus, and I read... In the beginning was sound, mm -hmm. and the sound was made flesh and dwelt among us. <laughs> so we realize that the sound is the logos, not the word. So when we talk about words, we're really talking about sounds. Yeah. So sound is, is crucial to us today because we're all listening to sound just as people are seeing this, but hearing this, and you or I are weaving spells, not just by what we say, but by how we say it, because sound is a powerful dimension of the meaning. All of, all of these words are just orchestrations of sound, and they're the balance of vowels and consonants. Vowels are all freely emitted passages of sound, and consonants are all stopped. So one of the things that I would do, for example, uh, I still do with great public speakers, is to show them how they can how they can really eat words. If we eat words, we feel them, we nourish them, we are saturated by them because nobody wants to eat an evil word. Word. We want to eat beautiful words and luxurious words and glorious words and inspirational words and intelligent words. So how do we eat them? is look into the vowel and the consonant, because if I say U-O-R-A-E, I have different lip and tongue shapes, but they're all vowel sounds that make up words. And then there are B, D, G, Z, J, V, M, that are stop sounds that are consonants. So the vowels, generally speaking, are associated with the way we feel, and the consonants are, generally speaking, the way we think. The consonants frame the they give construct to the uh, So you can hear it in Shakespeare because the, the, there's a wonderful man at the beginning of Midsummer Night's Dream who says, Now, fair Hippolyta, our natural hour draws on a pace, but only thinks how long this old moon waits. <laughs> so, it's all vow rich. Yes. You have to realize what he's actually doing, he's wooing. His bride, he's wooing. Really, what he wants to do is let's get this over with so we can jump into bed. Now, that affects the entire intelligence of the actor playing it. It's very different when you're playing the scheming murderer from the Scottish play, 
as a great actor, of course, I would not mention his name, but everybody will get it. When when this being says, if it were done, when tis done, and when it were done quickly. So the consonants indicate that he's in a, in a position of gross indecision because he feels the portent of what he's about to do by killing the king voting ambition he becomes the king and so what he's doing in his indecision is to try and make sense oh we've all been there so he's making sense in the moment in the holy instant of this feeling through the consonant when you examine language thus it suddenly becomes language words spelling becomes acute mm. i love how you've how you've shared that you know it's far more about the sounds that we utter than just the words, for example. But, you know, in, in ancient times, all of the original languages were spoken languages. They weren't written languages. And so the oral tradition and, and like, you know, from, coming from a Kabbalistic tradition, and I know the same as in Sanskrit and Kanji, many of the ancient languages that we still have access to and some understanding of today, the letter was actually almost like a, a cymatic impression of the sound as it impressed itself upon matter or materia you know the word or the sound made flesh and so the the letters were more the frozen music if you will the sacred geometry or the glyph that the sound itself made and so it is very much about the sound and yet these ancient languages were Every letter, for example, was an embodiment of an essence that is a creational essence. And then as you bring those various sounds and letters together, they form, you know, formulas. Uh, they form, you know, the sentence structure, the, you know, the, the, whether it was more vowel, more consonant and so forth. But it, it, every way in which they were spoken was imprinting itself upon the fabric of this density that then helped shape materiality. And, and in the newer study of cymatics, we can really see how sound uh, shapes matter. And, and yet, you know, for our language today, um, when, you know, I, to kind of come back a little bit to the devolution of our language today and our use of words and sound today, um, that, you know, when we go back to digging into the deeper essence again of these words because you know back when words were created for example whether we're going back to ancient greek or uh you know ancient hebraic or sanskrit you know we go more to the ancient words uh, and their original meaning they were basically putting formulas together and those formulas had an essence of vibration a signature that would imprint itself upon you know the the quantum field, or upon the 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 uh, the materia of of this world, and uh, so etymology, for example, etymology study, and and going back to the original essence and the origins of the words helps us come to a, a realignment of our understanding of meaning, the deeper essence and meaning of these words. And I love how you did that, for example, with hierarchy. A lot of people these days associate hierarchy with uh, you know, some pecking order, some kind of patriarchal structure that's just political and, and, and human made. But when you really look at the original essence of hierarchy, it is a, a structure of the sacred and, and that in order for 
energy and creation and light to flow, it needs that order and it needs that sort of uh, distribution of the energy from the one source to the multitude and, and in a way that is ordered versus chaotic, right? So, um, yeah, I just think that people can really reconnect to the original meanings. Let's take a pause from this fascinating conversation to enjoy a quick consciousness break. So many people in the world with so many problems. Those brave enough to embark on the journey of solving these problems will ultimately reach a threshold of understanding and require a path to greater knowledge. The path to know thyself. All of our problems lead to a universal solution. Until you decide you are the creator of your own life, you can't change anything. All your problems stay the same. The Modern Mystery School is a community of spiritual catalysts who are trying to answer the question, can I change? Can we as humanity change? Can we solve our problems? Can we create a better life for ourselves and the world? Is peace possible? Join us on our quest to discover and see if they can. This is a series about the hearts of people who sought a different way. Because it is time for something real. Something that cuts through the illusion of what we are not. So that you can remember what you are. That you are light. You are divine. You are magic. And magic is real. It's living right there inside of you. To learn more, please follow Modern Mystery School International on their journey on YouTube as they unravel the mystery of the Modern Mystery School with a new docuseries. This project documents and highlights the story of its members and sheds light on what actually occurs within the community. This is a film created by the members who have directly experienced the teachings and tools from this ancient lineage. I'm fascinated by the question. Well, why did they not write? Why was it all just spoken? Because after all, when we speak, it's alive. Mm. And the, the, the part of the Native American tradition that I became involved in is very alive and being. And in the early 90s, I think 1991, I was called by a Native American shaman who I worked with for three years. And he was extraordinary. Oh, God, he was so powerful. And it was a sound shaman, meaning, it's interesting, he was sound shaman. He was sound <laughs> in shamanism. Um, <laughs> so we hear the word again, you know, just as mariners would sound the depth of fathoms. They hear the depth of fathoms by throwing over the plumb line, you know. He, he, he also created sound through magic, uh, or rather he created magic through sound. And so I once saw, he, one of my initiations was being to, taken into Kiva, which 13 feet below the mesa. And when we closed the trap door, we climbed down a, a wooden ladder into this hole in the, in, the, in the Mother Earth. And he closed the trap door, it was pitch black. And when he settled himself and started chanting, the whole place lit up. Mm. Of course, I said, wow, what's that all about? And he, he said, well, you see, when we chant, 
certain sounds, the pineal releases a phytoluminescent chemical. Mm. And therefore, sound is light. Mm. And I suddenly realized in that moment, oh, you know, having called to Egypt as a pilgrim when I was 15, 16, 17, I just had to go. But I realized how those essentially male priests painted the temples or painted the tombs that are essentially very dark. And it wasn't so through some clever cylindrical or... Um, circular bronze device where they shone the sun from the entrance down to another, down to another. No, they chanted and the whole place lit up so they could see the the illumination. Mm -hmm. And so what Joseph, his name was Beautiful Paintedaro or Wukuntaka Chika, um, he taught me that the reason why his people, Tewa, don't have a written language is because when language is written, when sound is written, it becomes frozen in time. And therefore, it loses its vitality. It loses its anima. Isn't that fascinating? Mm -hmm. Which is why, although we write spells down in our grimoire, isn't that wonderful word, grimoire, (laughs) that if we write them down or in our holy books, we have to be really respectful of the fact that in the moment as they move through us, we need to fresh mint the sound so it becomes truly special. And I don't know about you, but being brought up in Christianity as a child, this always confused me because I never heard the truth. Because I would hear, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And I think, what on earth is going on here? Which is why, (laughs) over the years, in simplicity, I've developed as a voice coach this ability to say, could you just let the energy drop into your heart? Mm. It is the me. And that's quite crude, because most people say, oh, yes, yes, but they still can't, because they don't know the meaning, even mm-hmm. high prelates of the Church of England or the Church of Rome. But eventually, our period of experiences, I get them into, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then the whole experience changes, because they literally are living the originality and the ingenuity of what that learning is all about. This is why sound is a dimension of the meaning, and I would say the most powerful dimension. We get caught up in our intellect. I mean, all of this, you know, people say, oh, you're such an intellectual. I'm not. I just read, and I love words. So I can always remember the age of eight. I spent two years of silence and then I self-muting and then I because the world was just too much and nobody understood what I was talking about and then when I came back speech heard the word insignificant mm. and it was the most beautiful word I'd ever heard I didn't know what it meant I put it into every sentence until my amazing mother said darling I, what does it mean? <laughs> I don't know. I just love it. <laughs> you say, okay, well, that's beautiful. I'm glad you love it. But what it means is that it has a lack of value. Surely you mean, you're talking always about value. Surely you mean significant. Mm-hmm. And so something huge happened as I ate the word, as I breathed the word, significant. Those syllables... Um, but I was also seeing sound. 
then as I was, I was synesthete and I would see sound as waves of energy, as extraordinary flowing energy, which is why I couldn't read because I was being brought up. Uh, 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 the cat sat on the mat and there is nothing staccato about me. Everything <laughs> is seeking flow, is seeking legato, is seeking, because this is based on the premise of the movement of time and the hallowed nature of time, this extraordinary force that God has created. I, um, you know, I was, I was watching a show on TV last evening, which is full of extraordinary, it's very dramatic, uh, but it's full of the most beautiful words. And one of the major protagonists said, it's not the years in our life that counts, it's the life in our years. It's that respect and veneration and devotion for the time aspect as we live the value of our integrity. That's Abe Lincoln, by the way. It's a quote from Abe Lincoln. Mm. He said some extraordinary things. Mm. However, so, the, yeah, we have a rich conversation, you and I. We create spelling. Yeah, we do. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. <laughs> now, I know, uh, I know, I know. Our time is kind of coming to its end, but I'm, I'm wondering if we can maybe just po touch on this. You mentioned the long dark night of the soul as one of those stages of, you know, the four progressions uh, in between. I believe the warrior and the sovereign, and this is something that I've often talked about and written about as well. In you know the alchemical sense, that we are going through a journey of transformation, socially, alchemically. Uh, and we as a collective right now, it seems like on the planet that we're at that stage of the long dark night of the soul. And, you know, we're facing our collective shadow because that's that guardian at the threshold that we have to move past. Um, and so in, in facing that, we have to face our fears. We have to come to understand that darkness that's within us, seeing each other as mirrors to ourselves rather than seeing ourselves as separate. And, um, you know, this is playing out again in so many ways, you know, in, in our world. So I guess the big question is, if, if we wanted to kind of bring this to a close, is how, how do we move through this stage, right? How do we uh, move beyond the, the shadow and the mediocrity and the devolution towards that breakthrough into the sovereignty uh, the the self mastery the you know being the magicians in this world to create a better way of life. What would you say are the keys? Hmm. Well, I feel it's a very sanctified process. Although part of it is also meaning the long dark night of the soul is a sanctified process. Though part of it is that we have to go into the wilderness because all the long dark night of the soul is a recalibration physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Neurology gets, um, I put an expletive in there. <laughs> um, and so we realize, at least on the outside, we, when we're going through it, it's just chaotic. But we realize when the, on the other side that it is spiritual madness. It's a form of madness where everything is imbalanced until we come back to the raw, essential truth of who we are, not what we are. And so, the difficulty with it is that we have to go through it alone. And most people have huge problem with the specter of alone. 
actually one of the disciplines that I have is to put another L in the word and suddenly realize that alone means all one. Because it means that we're no longer in relation to the habitual relationship processes that we have with weight, space, and time, or the animal kingdom, the vegetable kingdom, the mineral kingdom, or other human beings, or systems. There is just us and God. So we have to go to those who know. We have to go to the mystics. Just as we know St. John of the Cross wrote about this, Mother Teresa wrote about it as Christian mystics. Dionysus the Areopagite wrote about it. Hildegard von Bingen wrote about it. These are, these are Christian uh, imprints because um, I'm a Western man who, through spiritual and blood lineage, has been brought up within Western traditions. I've also, as I've said, been drawn into Native America and into Buddhism, and they're saying relatively the same thing. We have to go to the master or the mistress who understands, who literally doesn't often do anything, be with us. So we feel the madness is contained on some level by this reference to Life Boy, this extraordinary being. This has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time, and we'll look forward to having further conversations down the line. Absolutely. It's been exciting. Thank you yeah. so much. Okay. Bye. Oh, namaste. Namaste. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode and this conscious conversation with Stuart Pierce. Stuart, thank you so much for joining me. If you'd like to learn more about Stuart Pierce's work, you can go to stuartpierce.com and check out all the things that he's into. This Conscious Conversation was created, produced, and recorded by Dr. Teresa Bullard-White in collaboration with Stuart Pierce and edited by Verse Content and HH Films and Photo. The theme music and intro videography were produced by Tim Mountain of Evenload Productions. Quantum Minds TV is a product of the Quantum Learning Academy.